Welcome to the Maranatha Baptist Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this class from our Equip Ministry will be a blessing to you and will grow your love for Jesus Christ. We would encourage you to use it only as a supplement to your regular intake of God's Word in your local church. If you need help connecting with a local church, please reach out to us on our website, mbcgrimes.org. So now you can take out your notes for our class, Living as Witnesses. Living as Witnesses. You'll notice in the subtitle and on the image on the screen, this class has a very simple outline. It has three stages. Pray, meet people, tell them about Jesus. It's just that simple, right? Uh, you know, that's why we're all doing evangelism effectively, because that's all it is. Just pray, meet people, tell them about Jesus. Um, yes and no, right? So it's obviously not quite that simple. There are complications that come up. Um, but I thought this would be a beneficial class for us, both this time of year. There tend to be more open doors with people to talk about spiritual things, invite them to church, so on and so forth. So it gets us thinking about evangelism. Um, on top of that, we just came through the book of Acts, which you remember, one of the key themes in the book of Acts is living as witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8 kicks off with that idea, and you shall be my witnesses Um, And so from there, we see what it's like to go forward and to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. So opening discussion question for you. What makes being a witness for Jesus so difficult? What hurdles slow you down? What makes being a witness for Jesus so difficult? What hurdles slow you down? What thoughts do you have? Yeah, Joan. Yes. How do we bring it up in the course of conversation without it being awkward? Good. Yeah. 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 That fear of rejection. Are they just going to close the door on this relationship, on this conversation, walk away from me, think I'm a fool? Yeah. Mm Hmm? Yeah. Yeah, when it comes down to the moment, am I actually going to remember the scripture passages that I need to remember? Will I know what to say? Good. Other ideas? Yeah. That's exactly right. It is pretty much always inconvenient. Yeah. And there's those rare times when, you know, you invite somebody out for coffee and it happens during that conversation. But typically, it's, you know, you bump into somebody on the road when you got to be somewhere and, you know, uh, yeah, it tends to be inconvenient. Okay, anybody else? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, selfishness and pride uh, often come out when it comes to witnessing. Selfishness being, man, I got, I got things to do, places to go, I don't have time for this, or, or whatever, I just don't want to. And then pride, yeah, I don't want to be embarrassed, I don't want this not to go well, so on and so forth. When we witness to somebody, when we share the gospel, we're sort of putting ourselves out there. Hey, here's what I believe, and it is a bit of a scary thing to uh, put yourself out there in that way, so... Good, good input. So we'll try to address many of these things as we work through this uh, six-week course. And um, 
Look at what Scripture has to say while also combining it with some very practical ideas for how we implement these things. So we're going to try to juggle those two things at the same time. Juggling two things is always easier than juggling three. So we'll look at Scripture and what it has to say, and then we'll also dig into some practical ways to apply those things. So pray, meet people, tell them about Jesus. Just to give you an overview, tonight we'll talk about prayer. Next week we'll talk about meeting people. And then the last four weeks of the course are probably what most of us find to be the most complicated part. Uh, we'll, we'll dig into telling them about Jesus and ways to go about that, what to say, what not to say, how to bring it up, you know, a lot of those fears that we talked about. So uh, that will be four weeks of our class in that last stage, tell them about Jesus. But this is week one, and so we're going to dig into the issue of prayer. And to be honest, I'm not apologizing for that, even though we often find the third step, telling them about Jesus, to be the most difficult. I would say the first step is the most important, prayer. And it's where we all need to start when it comes to sharing the gospel. And I hope that you come away from tonight's uh, class really understanding how dependent we are upon God in the act of evangelism and in our task as being his witnesses. It is utterly, supremely dependent upon God, and we need his help. And so prayer is crucial in that process. So we're going to take the first half and talk about why we need to pray when it comes to evangelism. And then the last half will be, what should we actually pray for uh, when we talk to the Lord about evangelism? Now, as you notice in your notes, we're going to look at a lot of passages of Scripture, and uh, I will ask for volunteers to read those verses. So as we go, you might just you know, be ready uh, to jump in and read a verse aloud for us as we get to it. All right? Why should we pray? Why should we pray? Well, let's begin with Matthew 28, 18 through 20, to begin answering that question. Most of you know uh, what these verses are. The Great Commission, we call it. But there's a portion of the Great Commission that we often forget about and leave out. Verse 18 is actually part of the whole, uh, of the whole part of the Great Commission. So, is there somebody willing to read Matthew 28, 18 through 20? Rod, thank you. All right, thank you. So uh, we're familiar with the part that says, go therefore and make disciples, right? That is our just great charge from Jesus, first to his disciples, and it's been passed on to the church, that we are to be making disciples of all nations. But there's a word there, therefore, which means that that is a command based on a fact, a premise that comes before it. What is that premise? Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. So Jesus has all authority in the task of making disciples. The Father has given him authority. He's the Savior of the world. And so it's up to Jesus who he will save and how he will save them. He's the one who has all authority. So that's your first blank tonight. Uh Uh-oh. Let's see if I can get this connected. Uh, Is my battery dead? No, I got a laser. Oh, here it comes. There we go. The authority is God's given specifically to Jesus Christ. So when it comes to the process of making disciples, it's all Jesus' task. 
right? And he has entrusted it to us. His is the authority. So if he's the one with all the authority, how important is it that we ask him for help, ask him for wisdom, ask him for direction, ask him for instruction and guidance, and so on and so forth. It's his task. He's the one with the authority to save, and so we are about his business. So of course we need to talk to him in the process. Number two, the power is from God. The power is from God. Uh, Let's turn next to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And then is there somebody willing to read that verse for us? Acts 1, 8. Thank you. Amy. Okay, so this is a verse I quoted earlier, you will be my witnesses and, you know, ultimately to the end of the earth. But the first thing that happens is Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So their power, their ability to be witnesses comes from the fact that they have the Holy Spirit. So again, we're completely dependent upon God's strength, God's power to be witnesses for him. The power is from God. And so it follows that we need to ask him for help. We need to depend upon him and his help if we're going to do our task well. All right. Let's go next to 2 Corinthians 2.12. 2 Corinthians 2.12. Who would be willing to read that verse for us? Jennifer, thank you. Okay, so the Apostle Paul uh, goes to Troas to preach, and there was a door that was opened. But it wasn't that Paul was just, you know, intuitively finding these open doors. He says specifically, the door was opened to me by the Lord. And so we learn that opportunities come from God. God's the one who opens those doors. He's the one who, who brings those opportunities. And so it follows that we should be asking him for those opportunities and asking for wisdom to see those open doors, and to follow them. Um, He provides the opportunities, and it's right for us to ask him for those opportunities. Next, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Ephesians 6, 19 and 20. Somebody willing to read those verses for us? Okay, thank you. Okay, so this is Paul asking for prayer from the Ephesian believers. He wants them to pray for him. And there in verse 19, he shares his request. He says, that utterance may be given to me. Now, utterance is an interesting word. Uh, what in the world does that mean? Well, it means, it, it, we can kind of think of it this way. He wants the right words to say in order for the gospel to be clear, to make known the gospel. And so again, he's asking the Lord for clarity. Clarity comes from God. There's the sense Paul, Paul's request is for utterance or the, just the ability to say the right thing in those moments as he shares the gospel. Now, if Paul thought he needed to ask for clarity and understanding to say the right things, then I think you and I probably would do well to ask the Lord for clarity as well, right? Paul had an incredible grasp of the gospel. Um, and so it's clear to me that you and I need to be praying uh, for clarity, for God's help 
uh, to say the right things. Now, at the same time, as we pray for that, we can trust that God will provide and help us as we speak with people. So God, uh, he wants God to give him uh, clarity. In these same verses, we also notice that God gives boldness. This is the other part of Paul's request. Not only does he ask for utterance, but then he also says, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. And then he repeats it again in verse 20, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So, Boldness is a part of sharing the gospel, and I think we recognize that. I think most of us know that's one of the big hurdles for us, isn't it? Uh, It's a bit scary to know, when do I possibly even intrude into the conversation? Maybe they wanted to take it this direction, but I kind of step in and say, well, actually, there's something I've been wanting to share with you. Can I tell you about how God has made a difference in my life? Or whatever. It takes boldness to step out and risk the relationship, risk the conversation in order to share the gospel. And so sometimes we think that, you know, people who are just naturally bold are therefore, you know, better at evangelism. Many of us would see uh, Paul as a bold person, and yet he often refers to himself as uh, operating in fear and in weakness. And so I love here that he asks for prayer specifically regarding boldness. Um, I think that's an encouragement to those of us who would not qualify ourselves as bold, right? Uh, We think of ourselves as timid or quiet or I'm shy or maybe use the word introvert or whatever. Um, And I think in some ways we're actually at an advantage when that's the case. Because rather than depending on our human boldness, which we don't have, (laughs) we're forced to ask God for help in the area of boldness and trust His strength and power to be bold in those times of witnessing. And it's really the Spirit's help in boldness that we want, not just our human uh, boldness. You know, we don't want to be the bull in the china shop, so to speak. And so I love this prayer request, to ask God for boldness and to help us in those moments when we're wondering, man, should I share the gospel here? Should I go for it? Ah, maybe it's too bold. They might be offended or they might never talk to me again or, you know, whatever those fears are. But to go to the Lord and say, Lord, give me wisdom and help. And boldness to know when it's time even to intrude a little bit in somebody else's life in order to share the gospel with them. All right, next, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. Is there somebody willing to read this verse for me? Tim, thank you. All right. This is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. I love this one. God is the one who commanded light to shine out of darkness. So the first half of the verse looks back to creation and the Genesis account and what we all know, right? It was God who said, let there be light. And boom, there was light in the darkness. So the same God that had that power, now the verse tells us, has done something else as well. He's the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And I think it's probably just about as big of a miracle. The the same miracle that God used to shine light in the darkness is just as big 
as a miracle that light shines into my heart to convert my soul to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, the question is, what's he talking about? The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Well, I think that's a long phrase to refer to the gospel. Why do I say that? We'll look back at verse 4 in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we get a clue to what Paul's talking about in the context. Paul says, "...whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them." So it's clear in the context, this phrase, this light metaphor, refers to the light of the gospel, which reveals the glory of God seen specifically in the face of Jesus Christ, the Savior And that act of the gospel, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our sins, displays brightly the character of God. In the gospel, we see his love, we see his justice, we see his mercy, we see his grace, we see his holiness. We see all the perfections of God kind of radiating from the face of Jesus Christ in the gospel. And it's God, who the same one who said, let there be lights back at the beginning, who shines that light into our hearts and converts people to faith in Christ. So we learn this. Conversion is from God, and it's a miracle. Just like light in the darkness at the beginning, uh, when he shines the light of the gospel into our hearts, it's a miracle. It's a miracle that God does. Conversion is from God. We can't create light in the darkness. If you put me back at the beginning with God, I would have not been able to do anything to create light in the darkness, so it is with conversion in our hearts. It's God who brings that conversion in us. So if only God can do it, it makes sense that we should pray. We should pray that God would open their hearts to the light of the gospel, that the light of his glory in the gospel would break through the darkness in their hearts and give them new life in Christ. What a cool prayer to pray as we think about sharing the gospel with people. All right, next let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verses 24 through 26. This one's a similar concept, but with a slightly different emphasis. Uh, Somebody willing to read these three verses for us, 24 through 26, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Jillian, thank you. Uh, 24 through 26 of 2 Timothy chapter 2. Okay, thank you. So um, we have two, two sides of the coin here in these verses. We have our responsibility as the servants of God, the ones who are ministering the gospel to people. We're to be patient and gentle and all of those things, teaching, uh, carefully um, correcting those who are in opposition. But then there's this beautiful phrase right in the middle of verse 25. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. There's a sense in which, which God just, you know, at that moment quickens their heart to understand it all. It's that light bulb moment in somebody. When they get it, it clicks, right? Ah! And it's just a beautiful description then of what happens. Uh, they come to their senses, right? They escape the snare of the devil 
having been taken captive by him to do his will. What a beautiful moment and a beautiful picture of repentance. And what we learn from this verse is that it's God who grants repentance. It's God who grants repentance. And so we ought to pray for this. As a pastor, uh, these verses are some of the verses that I pray more often than any other verses. Um, that God would bring repentance in people's hearts. Uh, that he would grant it and, uh, and free us from our um, deception to sin and Satan and his ways. So repentance comes from God, so of course we should pray. Oh, that one's not up there. Whoops. Well, the blank is repentance, so I don't know why it's not up there. Anyway, and you got your next blank too, so that's like a two-for-one deal. The last blank is success is from God, 1 Corinthians 16.9. So let's head there. First Corinthians sixteen nine. Somebody willing to read that verse for us? Kurt, thank you. Okay, thank you. So we've already learned that God opens doors, but notice how this door is described. This is a great and effective door. And so, little squeezed into this tiny little verse is the implication that God is the one who makes those open doors effective. God brings success in sharing the gospel. He's what makes our efforts effective, right? So, I hope as we've looked at these verses, what you've begun to be very clear to you is that the whole process of evangelism, beginning to end, is dependent upon God, right? The open door to share, the boldness to step out and share, the clarity to have the right words to say, the fact that the gospel would break into their hearts, that they would repent and be converted, that the open door would be effective. I mean, it's all dependent upon God. And so, to me, it's just the most obvious thing in the world that we should be praying about this, praying, 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 asking God for help and open doors and wisdom and guidance and boldness and all these things that we've just talked about. Now, I know that, and yet I don't pray about it enough. So here's my question. Why don't we pray more about evangelism? What keeps us from praying about evangelism? Any thoughts? And maybe you do, and if you do, share us, let let us know what what are your tips for us. But why don't we? What keeps us from praying more about evangelism? Lack of urgency? Okay, good. Rod? Yeah, our, our lists are full of our own needs. Mm-hmm. What else? Yeah. Yeah, lack of belief in the sovereignty of God in the process. That, you know, we kind of have this sense that evangelism depends on me, and I really wish I was doing better, but I'm not. We don't really think to pray about it, right? Yeah, good thought. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Correct, yes. So that is a view that's out there, right? If, if God is sovereign over all this, then we can just kind of sit on our couches, right? We don't need to pray about it. We don't need to work at it. I disagree. But that's a view that's out there. So the second half, we'll, we'll shut that view down and look at all of our commands to pray about evangelism. 
Any other thoughts why we don't pray? Yeah. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, it takes work. It takes thought. It takes effort. It takes time. Prayer takes time. Prayer is a labor. It is. Yep. I thought I saw a motion over here. Yeah, Aaron. <laughs> yes. Yeah, then what? This is going to take time and, uh, you know, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to disciple this person? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Great. Very insightful. Yeah, Kurt, another one? Yeah. 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 Yeah, we... We, pray, we might pray for our missionaries out there, those people out there who went somewhere to share the gospel, but we don't really think of it in our circles, in our lives. Yeah, great insight. Yeah. Okay, so now we're going to finish by thinking through what we should pray. And in this section, I think all of these points, except for the first one, which doesn't have any blanks for you, um, I think the rest of these all are either an actual prayer in Scripture, so the Apostle Paul is praying or he's asking for prayer, or a command to pray. So these are just our very rich, helpful examples in Scripture of what we do in prayer. And I think you'll see how important this becomes. So, of course, the first one, uh, no blanks there, ask God for all of the above, right? So that one's kind of obvious. Um, if God's the one who grants boldness and clarity and power and so on and so forth, well, of course, we should be asking God for these things. So, um, you know, kind of see above is, is the first one here. Uh, but let's look at some new passages here and some ways that we're commanded to pray. Let's go first to Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 and 38. Somebody willing to read these for us? Yeah, thank you. Okay, excellent. So the first thing we can pray, oh, I didn't change the title. It should say what to pray at the top, but I think your notes are correct. Uh, the first thing we should pray is ask God to send laborers. And this is a command from Jesus Christ to pray that God would send out laborers to help with the harvest. And of course, the harvest is a metaphor for those who are being gathered in as citizens of God's kingdom. They're, they're trusting in the gospel. And uh, this is, of course, the context. If you look back at verses 35, Jesus has been out preaching the gospel of the kingdom and as he's doing that, in verse 36, he sees the multitude and is moved with compassion because they're weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And so Jesus sees the multitudes as he's preaching the gospel. And his burden is, we need more laborers. We need more people to go out and preach the gospel. And so he commands that we would pray for laborers. And so we are praying for more who will be raised up who can go and share the gospel. And the fun part about this one is that as you pray for laborers, you might inadvertently be praying for yourself. <laughs> right? So as you pray that God would send out laborers, don't be alarmed if God begins to work in your own heart 
and give you a burden for the opportunities, the harvest that's abundant around you, the people you know that need to hear the gospel. And being sent out as a laborer doesn't always mean that you move to a new place. Sometimes the going already happened. When God brought you to your current place, you just didn't know that God was sending you there with a purpose, that he gave you the neighbors you have for a purpose uh, so that you could be a laborer for the gospel with those people. So, uh, you know, there's a beautiful one to pray for, and often we think of other people. God, raise up someone else to go and to share the gospel. Uh, but don't be alarmed if God uses that to work in your own heart. Uh, next, we go to Romans chapter 10, verse 1. This is our most obvious one, um, but still good to be reminded that we can pray this way. Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Somebody willing to read this one for us? Greg, thank you. Brethren, my heart's desire is prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. All right, so again, just an example from Paul, uh, but he says very openly, my prayer is that Israel would be saved. And that's a big prayer. He's praying for a whole nation worth of people at this point, uh, but it's just a reminder to us that we should be praying for God to save people. It's a good prayer. It's a good thing to pray. Um, and this is one, I, I would say this is pro- of the ways to pray in regards to evangelism, this is the one we probably do pray for, uh, or people that are a burden on our heart, relatives we know, you know, et cetera, we pray, God, bring them to salvation in Christ. I think, I don't know, that's, that's my guess, is that this is the one that we maybe do the most. And that's a good thing. Uh, it is a biblical way to pray, to ask God to save people. All right, this one we already looked at, but here's our example of a prayer request. Uh, we ask God to give boldness. And again, we, we sort of saw that in the Ephesians passage, but here's another one in the early church. So let's go to Acts chapter 4, verse 29 and 31. And this is a fun one because we're actually listening in on a prayer uh, of the early church. Uh, they've, been, they've, they've just experienced persecution Peter and John have been arrested and put on trial, and uh, they they gather in a room, they pray together, and we get to be like flies on the wall and listen in on their prayer here. Uh, So somebody willing to read uh, verse 29 and also verse 31. Andrea, thank you. Okay, I like this one because we get the answer to the prayer request too. Uh, so the, the, the request, which, which I love, is not that the persecution would stop. And that's cool. I think it's just the best. Uh, you know, the, the persecution is rising up and they're not on their knees going, oh, save us from this persecution and stop the persecution. No, I mean, they're like ready to battle. Lord, give us boldness. I think it's fantastic. So they pray for boldness and uh, they want to share the word. They want to speak it share the gospel, Uh, and of course, God answers that prayer request in verse 31, and he answers it with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit comes and gives them boldness. Now, this is early on in the the church when, uh, you know, we're still getting used to this idea of believers being indwelt by God's Spirit. So today, the way we experience this is we are already granted the complete Holy Spirit of God. We have him at salvation. He comes to indwell us. 
And so uh, think about God's ability to answer that prayer request for boldness. The Spirit is already here in me, right? And so I ask God for boldness, and I can trust that that's a request that he will answer. Uh, Pretty cool. So here's a, a, a brief discussion question. Is there anything scary to you about asking God for boldness? What might be scary about asking God for boldness to share the gospel? Maybe it's just me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be a bold person. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What am I going to end up doing or saying? Or, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Any other ideas? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. To ask for boldness, we have to admit that we're not bold. Yeah. Other thoughts? Vulnerability. That's right. That's right. Right. Yeah, so if God answers with a yes, then not long from now, there's going to be this time when I'm going to have to put myself out there with boldness, right? Which is going to be scary. And if I'm asking for boldness, I don't have it yet, so I don't really want that. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it can be a little scary to ask for boldness because we're not there yet. It takes a lot of faith to trust that, okay, this is the right thing. This is why I'm here on earth. So, Lord, give me boldness. And to trust that when it comes, God's strength and power and help will be all that I need. And it will be a joyful thing. And I won't then be going, oh, I wish I hadn't asked for boldness. (laughs) Right? Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's just an interesting thing. I was thinking about that. So, anyway. Asking for boldness. Okay, let's continue on. Uh, Another prayer comes to us in Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. Colossians 4, 2 through 4. All the volunteers tonight, somebody else willing to read for us? 2 through 4. Okay, thank you. Okay, so there's a number of requests here. Paul asks for prayer. Uh, The one that I focused on specifically was asking God to give opportunities. Paul prays for an open door for the word to be able to speak the mystery of Christ. And, And this is not just a, you know, prayer request that I'd be a good testimony, which is a fine thing to pray. Paul asks specifically that he can speak the words of the gospel, which I think is neat. Um, again, not wrong to ask God for help to just generally be a good testimony. That's a good thing. But here he's asking specifically for an open door to share the words of the gospel, to share the very message of the gospel. Uh, he wants to make it manifest, make it clear. All right, we're almost there. You guys are doing great. Let's go to the next one. Second Thessalonians 3 verse 1. Volunteer willing to read this one. Thank you, Sheila. Finally, brethren, they serve us that the 
Okay, thank you. So this is a, another command to pray or a prayer request. And Paul specifically asks God to make the word effective. Uh, Sheila's translation said that the word would spread rapidly, uh, which is a beautiful way to put it. Uh, the New King James said it would run swiftly. The idea is that the word is just going fast, you know, just sprinting ahead. It's spreading, but not just that it's spreading, but that it's being accepted. And he puts that in an interesting way. He actually says that it would be glorified. Sheila's translation said um, that it would be honored, which is another good way to put it. The idea is that not only are people hearing the gospel as it spreads, but they're acknowledging it. They're agreeing with it. Like, yes, Jesus is the Savior, right? And so the, the, the message itself is therefore being honored or glorified as they accept it, as they believe it. Uh, just, a, just a cool picture. Uh, what a sweet prayer to ask that God would just explode the gospel outward and that it would go fast, and people would hear it, and that they would respond in faith. That God would make the gospel effective. So another great prayer request. All right. So uh, as we have gone through these things, um, hopefully you sense uh, the importance of prayer in the process of evangelism. And uh, if there's one takeaway for you tonight, uh, I hope it would be that maybe in your own life, you would just adjust your prayer life in some ways to pray more about sharing the gospel. And uh, you've, you've got a, a great list here. You can tuck in your Bible or tuck in wherever, you know, your journal, wherever you do your time of prayer uh, of some great prayer requests that you can bring before the Lord in regards to evangelism. And it really, really begins here. We are completely dependent upon God. At the same time, you've seen, it's very clear in Scripture, that even though a sovereign God is in control, we're not to just sit on the couch and wait for Him to do things. There's a reason we're commanded to pray in these ways. Because God wants us to participate. He's chosen to involve us in the process of saving the world. Isn't that cool? Uh, God wants to use us, and prayer is the way we get started with that. Prayer is the way we get started with that. The last thing I want to do with you tonight with our closing, uh, we've got about 10 minutes or so, is I want to share a resource with you that has greatly enriched my own prayer life. Um, Prayer requests, as you know, are difficult to keep track of. Between conversations at church where people say, hey, would you pray for me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then you're kind of trying to mentally keep track of it and not forget to pray for them. Uh, lists like this, we're like, oh yeah, I had like 20 things I was supposed to pray for about evangelism, but I lost the sheet and I don't really remember where they are. It's hard to keep track of all of our prayer requests. If you're like me, you find it difficult to naturally remember and keep track of these things. Uh, my prayer time tends to be in the morning and uh, my brain's not quite firing on all cylinders yet. And so I sit down to pray and it's kind of like, okay, I know there was something I was supposed to say, supposed to remember. What was it? What do I even pray about? What do I talk about? You know. And so uh, beyond that, my mind wanders, right? So you enter into prayer, and within three or four seconds, you're kind of thinking about that meeting you have later today, or, oh, did I remember to finish that assignment? Or, you know, whatever it is. So uh, this resource has been helpful to me. It's called Prayer Mate. It's an app. Yes, there's an app for that. Um, <laughs> So I'm going to try to uh, share my screen. Uh, Katie, now's the time. Yes, she did it. Perfect.
Um, hopefully I can get it to show up for you. And I will show you what this app looks like. Mm. It's not showing up yet. Would you press the three bars at the lower left corner, Katie? And click AirPlay. Yep, everything's, oh, there it is, excellent. Okay, you don't have to do that anymore. So I'm just gonna give you a brief overview of how it works. Um, the only downside to this that I would say is it's still, a, you're using your phone, so it's still a temptation to uh, get distracted on your phone, so you have to watch out for that. Uh, but here it is, it's this yellow app with the praying hands that you see in the upper right corner. And uh, so the way it's built is you can set categories, they're called lists. Um, and so I'll show you my lists. Uh, we've got biblical prayers. So those are verses of scripture that I really enjoy praying. So Colossians 1, 9 through 11, uh, Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, uh, passages like that. There, many of them are prayers of Paul. We looked at a few prayers of Paul tonight. And so it's just fun to pray those prayers to God. So that's that category. My walk with God. So that's just me personally with God, things that are going on between me and him, confession, things like that. Uh, my family, those closest to me. All right, sharing the gospel. So I have a category for evangelism. And what I haven't done yet is gone through and add these to my uh, section on evangelism. Uh, so I'm going to open that up, and you'll see some of the people I'm praying for uh, in the area of evangelism. So how it works is that every day, each of these lists, you can set how many prayer requests it draws from that list for your prayer session. So uh, this morning in my prayer session, I don't even remember the setting, I think it draws two requests from my sharing the gospel list, okay? So as I'm going through, let's say I want to have 25 things in the morning that I want to pray for, it will draw two of those uh, from sharing the gospel, and they will change every day. So that over the course of five days, theoretically, I've prayed for everybody in my sharing the gospel list and any other prayer requests that go along with it. Does that make sense? So I have like this list at the bottom. NBC Family has all of the church in it. And so uh, I pray for, I think it's seven church people every day. And it, it brings a new seven people up every day. And so it takes me about, I think it's like 30 days or something like that to pray through the whole membership. Um, so that's happening on a regular basis. So this has just been super helpful to me uh, in my disorganized brain at six o'clock in the morning. Uh, to sort of keep track of prayer requests. Um, let me think of if there's one that uh, would be okay for you to see. So uh, it has, <laughs> sorry, it has the prayer topic at the top, and then beneath there's a little card where you can keep track of prayer requests. Um, yeah, it might be best not to do this. Well, let's see here. <laughs> So I'll, get, I'll show you an example. Uh, here's, you know, the Lord's Prayer. So the topic's at the top, and then the content of the prayer itself is down at the bottom. And so I just pray through that um, as a part of my prayer time. Or if you go to, mm, let's see here. We'll go do my, nope, not that one. Sharing the gospel. So here's some of my neighbors and friends and so forth. Okay, so... Uh, Bruce and Marcia. So this one has been answered some time ago, but um, Marcia had uh, tonsil cancer. And so I had that in there and prayed for 
for her, and then I could put the update in when the prayer request was answered. So that's just an example for you of that. But anyway, uh, when you're ready to start praying, you just click start praying there at the front, and you enter into a session, and it opens with a Bible passage, time of confession, and so on and so forth. You you begin working through your prayer requests. And it kind of closes everything out. In fact, there's this full screen mode uh, that opens up, and so it kind of removes distractions uh, once you're in the app, and uh, you can sort of pray through your requests uh, without being distracted by other things. Um, so anyway, it's not perfect, but it has been very helpful to me uh, at organizing my prayer requests and uh, being faithful to pray, and then cycling through prayer requests. You know, like when you pray for a whole church membership, uh, I don't know how I'd keep track of that otherwise. Um, but that's been really beneficial. I can pray for whatever it is, seven a day, and it works me through the membership that way. So that's my advice to you as at least one tool that's out there uh, to help you in your prayer life. And you can enter in stuff like this, and uh, maybe, maybe two of these would pop up each day uh, or, or however you want to you know, set it up uh, to remind you to be praying in the area of evangelism in the days ahead. Okay, that was a lot to throw at you tonight about prayer and specifically about resources. Um, any questions on anything we covered tonight? Oh, I'm sorry, Prayer Mate. It's uh, put out by, an, it's actually an Australian company, so that's kind of fun. Prayer Mate. It's my best shot at a Australian accent. Okay. Any other questions? Thanks for listening. For more resources, visit our website, mbcgrimes.org. May the word of Christ dwell in you richly, and to God be the glory.